letter four, page 57. And we are up to the, uh, I guess the third paragraph on the page. And what we're in the middle of discussing is to, to, to bring us back to what we were discussing previously in letter four is what the purpose of life really is, right? How do we measure achievement in this world? What is the, the barometer by which we measure success, right? So in, in America that is ever more materialistic and in a world that is ever more materialistic and first world countries in general are all about acquisitions, right? So that's not the purpose in life. That's not really the barometer of success in life is not by how many possessions we own. So that's what we've been discussing until now. So what we describe is like this, from the slightest mental faculty and the nerve ganglia which serve it to the strength of your hand, with which you are able to bring about changes in creation and to which the entire realm of nature and every being within your reach are subject, right? It's a very interesting idea that he's saying, right? So everything that we, are, we have been given are aspects of our mission. These are all ways that will serve our specific role and specific purpose, right? We're going to be able to bring about changes in the creation and everything is really subject to us, right? It doesn't mean literally that they're going to listen to us, but it means that the, their role is as subject to us in terms of what we can accomplish is properly accomplished when everything in this world serves us. All your capabilities are but tools lent to you, which one day will appear before the throne of God as witnesses for or against you, testifying whether you neglected them or used them well, whether you wrought blessing with them or curse. Accordingly, there is an outer, universally applicable criterion by which to judge man's deeds whether or not they correspond to the will of God. And there is an inner criterion by which to judge a man's greatness, which differs from case to case, not the sum total of his achievements and the amount of resources with which he has been endowed, but whether he has used them to the best of his ability to do God's will. This, this right here, I mean, a pretty powerful thing right here, right? So if you need to have like your mission statement, right? And, judgment of success, right? So I remember when my wife was getting her MBA, they're very into uh, mission statements, right? And at that time, that was, this is 12 years ago now. So we started thinking to ourselves, like, what's the mission statement of, of ourselves, right? Because the purpose of a mission statement is to define clearly what the goal is, right? To define it both for the outer uh, consumer, right? Whoever's attending to, to, you're trying to sell your item to, but it's also for yourselves to figure out what your goal is, right? And to keep your eye on the prize. So right here, this is a great mission statement, right? Are we, is what we are doing corresponding to the will of God? Have we done the best of our ability to do God's will? And that's, that's a really critical point here too, right? That success is not going to be judged by a objective measure for every single individual. The, the Gemara tells us that Moshe and Aaron, can you guys hear me? Frozen. Yeah, frozen. Uh, but your video froze and your audio. We can't hear you. Um, now you're back. We lost you for about 30 seconds. Okay. So what we're, what we're what I was in the middle of talking about is the idea 
that the importance is to recognize that we all are supposed to achieve according to our own potential. We are supposed to bring to actuality, to take our own potential and bring it into actuality. And that potential is going to be different for different individuals. The Gemara explains that Moshe and Aaron, who we begin to learn about in this past week's parsha, that Moshe and Aaron both have this joint mission, right? And they're working in tandem, they're working in unison to redeem the Jews from Egypt. So sometimes Moshe is put first, sometimes Aaron is put first. The Medrash explains that although Moshe is reaching the highest level possible, Moshe is the only prophet who speaks to God face to face, so to speak. The Torah itself attests about Moshe that he is the consummate servant of God, right? No one else does the Torah attest to us about that. However, Moshe and Aaron are on exactly the same level. What does that mean? How can they be on the same level if Moshe has achieved this incredibly unique relationship with God? right? The answer is that each of them fulfilled to the greatest potential exactly what they had the capacity to do. So both Moshe and Aaron both have reached the highest heights that they could possibly have reached. And therefore, they're both judged as being on the same level. That's an important point to recognize. It is not an objective barometer. It is a subjective barometer, right? Today, I think it's, it's a great muscle. Today, they have these, the, these tests for the kids in elementary school. When I was a kid, we used to take the Iowa tests, right? The standardized tests. But we each took the same exact standardized tests every single year. We took the same ones. Is everybody else in your class took, right? But today, what they do is they give the kids a standardized test at the beginning of first grade, and they do their math and their reading. And then at the end of first grade, they do the same thing again. But it's actually weighted now, depending on what they were up to the previous time. Now it's a question of what sort of progress have they made since their previous test, right? So now you have this graph that shows how you've been progressing based on your skill set, right? Not based on everyone else's skill set, which is completely arbitrary what everyone else should be up to. Where should you be up to and are you progressing, right? That's really what Hashem wants from us too. Where did we start from and are we progressing on our path? It follows that in spite of one's best intentions, his life may be an utter failure if his actions were not the right ones. This is a very important point, right? We say this in, in you know, in a secular phrase that, that illustrates this is the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So you could have the best of intentions, but that's ultimately not the most important thing is your intentions. Most important thing is that your actions are correct. On the other hand, if a man abided by God's law, his life may be sublimely great, even though showing only minor accomplishments, if the means allotted to him did not permit major ones, right? So in a world that measures success by external goals, this can be incredibly difficult to really appreciate, right? It can be, we can talk about this idea, but it's hard to really, it doesn't resonate, right? Because we all measure success by the size of our house, the size of, there's so many different barometers that we use to measure success in life that are all externally imposed and are visible. But that's not what success is really all about. Thus, happiness and perfection consist of using all one's outer and inner possessions in fullest measure according to God's will, which alone is what makes man great. So what he's addressing so far in this note, in this uh, letter, is the thought process that in the very first letter that we read, that the individual tells him, right? Benjamin tells Naftali, as far as I'm concerned, success in this world is measured by happiness, measured by fulfillment. And I don't see Jews as being particularly happy. I don't see Jews as being particularly perfect. 
So Rabbi Hirsch says, indeed, you're right. Maybe that happiness and perfection is a good barometer of success. But what's the definition of happiness? What's the definition of perfection? That definition is really in using everything that you've been giving in life and using it the proper way. Everybody has different challenges. Everybody has different uh, challenges in their lives on a daily basis. Everyone has different skill set that they were born with, different strengths, different weaknesses, right? And given what I was born into, for example, I was born into a religious family, right? Well, my father is a, a Rebbe, a teacher, right? And my mother has always been involved in teaching as well. And being raised in that background, I'm going to be held more accountable for messing up than individuals who were raised without the knowledge of the Torah and did not come to this from their parents teaching them what they're supposed to be doing on a daily basis. Obviously, I'm going to be held to a higher level. Now, once people are exposed to the Torah and start learning more Torah, and then they are connected to a community, then they've also just raised their own bar. Because like I said before, it's about where you started from, and then it's about where you personally are progressing. Now your bar, your barometer for success is now going to change. The bar has now been raised, okay? That's a critical, critical point to keep this in mind at all times, because it's impossible to not measure ourselves externally, to look at people who are in a similar situation to us, where are they up to? Oh, their marriage is happier. Oh, they're this, you know, they have a nicer car than we have, right? It's inevitable. We do this all the time. We do it unconsciously. But what Rabbi Hirsch is trying to drill home is that's not success. Success is what did I start with? Where did I finish? That's the only question. Okay. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Be well.